the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, April the 29th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on April 29, 1945, World War II, American soldiers liberated Dachau, the concentration camp. Adolf Hitler married Eva Braun inside his bunker, and he designated Admiral Karl Denertz as president. All happened today, 1945. Big day for Hitler. It was near the end. I think he knew that. Today, 1916, the Easter Rising in Dublin collapsed. Irish nationalists surrendered to the British authorities. Today, in 1946, 28 former Japanese officials went on trial in Tokyo. They were war criminals. Seven of them ended up being sentenced to death. Today, in 1961, ABC's Wide World of Sports premiered with Jim McKay as host. I remember that well. I loved it. Not so much now. Wide World of Sports is not very wide. No sports, <clears throat> no sports except old reruns for them to um, put up on their wide world of sports. Today, in 1992, in a jury in Simi Valley, California, quitted four Los Angeles police officers of almost all state charges in the videotape beating of motorist Rodney King. Remember that? It played over and over and over again on the news. The verdicts were followed by rioting in Los Angeles, resulted in 55 deaths. Today, in 1997, a worldwide treaty to ban chemical weapons went into effect. Today, in 2000, Tens of thousands of angry Cuban-Americans marched peacefully through Miami's little Havana. They were protesting the raid in which armed federal agents yanked six-year-old Ilian Gonzalez from the home of his relatives. Now, that happened a few days ago on that date in 2000. I mentioned that on this program, but today, several days later, tens of thousands of angry Cuban-Americans Attorney General Janet Reno and her boss, President Clinton, she presided over that and ordered that that child be jerked away from his parents. He and his mother had started out to come to America on a kind of a flotation raft made out of of inner tubes, really, and they'd run into some rough water between Cuba and and Florida, and... um, Some of them had been thrown off, and his mother, I think, drowned, actually, in that attempt to come to America. And um, he survived. He wanted to stay here. He didn't want to leave his relatives. He did not want to leave his friends that he had made. And um, they actually, he was hiding in a closet, as I recall, and they jerked him out of the closet, took him, and sent him back, uh, gave him to his father, who was a very pro-Castro guy and took him back to Cuba. He's all grown up now, of course, still in Cuba. Today in 2008, 
Democrat presidential hopeful Barack Obama denounced his pastor, the Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Barack Obama said that he could no longer associate with him because of what Obama termed divisive and destructive remarks on race. This, of course, marked the day when Pastor Jeremiah Wright no longer was to any political advantage. In fact, he was a political inconvenience, to say the least. It's interesting to me, and this is quite a picture of what progressivism really looks like, religious or otherwise. For 20 years, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama had attended this church. In fact, Jeremiah Wright, 20 years. That's a long time. You get a, a sense, if you attend the same church with the same pastor for 20 years, you get a sense of what they, what the pastor believes, what he feels passionate about, what he teaches from the pulpit and preaches. And yet for 20 years, they were very happy there. So was Oprah Winfrey. She attended that church when she lived in Chicago. And yet when Barack Obama began to run for president, it began to occur to him as people began to call out some of the sermons that this man had been preaching. I mean, they were bizarre. I got to tell you, they were certainly anti-American. They were anti-scriptural integrity. I mean, the guy was way out there on the left, probably still is. And people begin to listen to some of the tapes and some of the videotapes and CDs or whatever from his sermons. And they begin to say, what? Does Barack Obama believe that? And Barack Obama, nope, nope, I don't believe that. To the pastor who had married, he and Michelle had been his pastor for 20 years and had dedicated or baptized, whatever they do in that church, their children, the Obama children. But they cut the cord immediately when it became politically inconvenient. Never forget that. That's the difference. It's an example of the difference between a biblical worldview and a progressive, relativistic worldview. But anyway, he made that announcement. He denounced the pastor. Oh, I've been a pastor. I don't. I was probably denounced, but I don't remember anybody with that much influence denouncing me publicly. Fortunately, I had some great people in our church churches where we've been, and they were nice. If they wanted to denounce anything, they did it in private, I guess. I don't know. But that would be tough on the guy. I mean, it, it was tough. He was in the news, and he was talking about it afterwards and said, yeah, it's very difficult. But he said, Brock will come back as soon as he finishes his term as president to the church. Well, that didn't happen. We live in perilous, changing, chaotic times for sure. Psalm 43, 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. The word help actually in Hebrew is salvation. You can think about that for a while. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you 
nor forsake you. Now that is God's truth, not my truth. That's God's truth. And I'm just bringing it to you today to lift your spirits, lift your heart. We do live in difficult times. There's no question about that. I want to thank you for your support of this ministry. I became aware early on in my life as a youth pastor that if the church that I served, the pastor that I ministered under, my boss, the senior pastor, as we used to call them, if they did not support me, I couldn't do a great deal. I learned early on that the ministry is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. And it depends on other people who are in it with you. They may not be doing what you're doing, but they're they're with you in the effort. And I have followed that and been keenly aware of that throughout my life in the ministry. And nowhere anymore than here on this radio program. I had not planned to do this, but several years ago, a number of years ago now, five, six, whatever it was, Tom Reed spoke to me about it. We talked back and forth. He'd been reading our Faith and Freedom Daily, which I'd been writing since 2004, so he kind of knew where I was coming from. I guess he did know where I was coming from, and he said, man, Gary, you, you need to think about doing a radio program, and so that conversation continued, and I believe God spoke to my heart. That was not a plan that I had for this time in my life, but it was God's plan, and I embrace it completely. I am grateful and honored to serve the Lord in this way, but I will tell you that I could not do what we do. I couldn't turn on the microphone if you didn't support us, and I want to thank you for that. We're in changing times for sure. The ministries, all of the ministries, are scrambling and trying to stay afloat and keep their balance financially, budgetarily. And I want to thank you for standing with us. I want to encourage you to do so if you believe in what we're doing. We're on in Seattle now, as you know, not because we have an abundance of money, but because a businessman in Bellevue stepped up and said, I'll help you get started. And then others will join you, and I think your message needs to be on. And we were able to do that recently. These are trying times for the ministry. KGNW, 8.20 a.m., the station we're on in Seattle now as of the last few months, has now agreed to, and I don't know when they're going to do it, but I'll let you know when it happens. They've agreed to put us on additionally at 10 p.m. at no cost to our ministry because we are not meeting the budget there yet in Seattle. So I would encourage all of you in the Seattle area who are listening, and we're hearing from a lot of you, just stay with us. Stand with us if you believe in what we're doing. If you don't feel comfortable with it, then by all means, don't do it. Or if you don't feel God is directing you to stand with us and support us, then don't. But those of you who do, pray about being a partner with us and standing with us. We need to hear from you. And those of you in central and eastern Washington, thank you. From my heart, I thank you. Man, we even got coffee in the mail this week. Tom Sawyer coffee. <laughs> Thank you. It's great. It's always great. 
And thank you all for your kind, your notes. Some of you have stood with us from almost day one. Thank you. I'd give you a hug, but that's forbidden by the police. But thank you. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. And to those of you who are listening now in Tucson, Arizona, thank you for standing with us. We're hearing from more and more people there and in Bakersfield, California. Thank you. Thanks for standing with us. Again, these are trying times, but they can be times when we can see God revealed in ways that we would not have seen otherwise. I saw an article this morning. I had not included this in what my remarks today, but I want to include it because I think it's important. Published by Heritage Foundation, the Daily Signal, that's a part of, of their ministry, their significant foundation, a think tank, as they say, and a good one. I, as you, probably don't agree with everything that they put out, but I do agree with most of it. But they published an article today by Dennis Prager. And I want to share a part of that with you because it's very poignant. And it was published just about an hour ago. He says, I don't want to share just part of it, not all of it, but a part. All my life I've dismissed paranoids on the right, such as America's headed to communism, and on the left. It can happen here, referring to fascism. That caught my attention. How many times have we heard that in regards to President Trump? He's a fascist. Prager says, it's not that I've ever believed liberty was guaranteed, being familiar with history and a pessimist regarding the human condition, I never believed that. But the ease with which the police state tactics have been employed and the equal ease with which most Americans have accepted them have been breathtaking. People will argue that a temporary police state has been justified because of... Then he says, police state does not mean totalitarian state. America is not a totalitarian state. We still have many freedoms. I'm quoting Dennis Prager this morning. He said, in a totalitarian state, this article could not be legally published. And if it were illegally published, I would be imprisoned and and or executed. But we are presently living with all four of the key hallmark of a a police state. And then he mentions them. And and he talks about each one. I'm not going to do that. But he says, number one, draconian laws depriving citizens of elementary civil rights. Number two, a mass media supportive of the state's messaging and deprivation of rights. Number three, use of police against citizens. And number four, snitches. And in that he goes into great detail, and he's right. I've been following this, and I, 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 it makes me a little uncomfortable. i got to be honest with you. But he says, how do police dispatchers learn of lawbreakers such as families playing softball in a public park, lone joggers, like, he doesn't say this, but I'm saying it, the mother in Idaho the other day in Rathdrum or Meridian or somewhere there, I mentioned it on this program, had their kid over at the park. They were all alone, and she was arrested. That's troubling. I understand. I mean, I know that there's a coronavirus out there, and I know it's killing people, the elderly, as they say, and being over 40 myself. 
I don't want to die by virus. I understand all that. And I understand that we and agree that we should be we should be using best practices to get through this thing. I fully agree with that. But I will tell you some of the things that I see happening in this culture make me a little bit uncomfortable. Because in the wrong hands, with the wrong person in the White House, in the Oval Office, the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, this morning, this morning is tweeting. He set up a snitch line here a while back whereby he said, told New Yorkers that they could, they could tell the authorities, they could send photos of the authorities of their fellow New Yorkers violating any of the quarantine laws. I've been in countries in my missionary work where that has become the norm. People expect that. There's places in this world where I've been where they hang quilts on the walls so their neighbors can't hear their conversation to muffle the sound, like a sound studio. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, he's encouraging snitching. He uses the word all the time. But de Blasio has taken it now to the two level. This morning to a new level. This morning, Mayor de Blasio, today, right now, he's tweeting and he's telling the press that he is not going to allow this to happen again. Well, what happened? Well, a very well-known and deeply loved rabbi, Rabbi Mertz, passed away in New York City. The people had a funeral for him. And de Blasio, de Blasio says... My message, and a lot of people came. They just went. They didn't care about distancing or whatever. Should they have done that? I, I'm just saying they did. My point is not whether they should have done it or not. My point is the response of the state, of the government. De Blasio added, quote this, he said, there's zero tolerance for this kind of activity. He said, and I'm quoting the mayor this morning, the the funeral or whatever they call it, the funeral service, was last night, or yesterday afternoon. He said, my message to the Jewish community and all communities is this, simple. The time for warnings has passed. I have instructed the New York uh, Police Department to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in large groups. But Gary... We don't want to get this virus. We've got to stay away from each other. Agreed. 100% agreed. But do we want the state breaking up funerals? Do we want the state arresting a mother who's playing with her child in a park that's deserted? She's the only one there in Idaho and arresting her? And taking her child into custody, who was on the merry-go-round. Last week, President Trump, during his press briefing, he said, "We cannot outsource our independence. There are many, there are many outside forces working against the freedoms that we have here in America. And these freedoms are birthed not out of a political ideology, but they're birthed out of God's word, Judeo-Christian values." America would not be America today had it not been built upon, framed the documents, framed upon the truth of God's word. This is not 
a country that came about by war or ancient borders or bloodlines. It came about by an idea that God's word is does not change in a changing world. And we, the founders said, will build a nation on those principles to the glory of God. Those are their words, not mine. And they said it often. They prayed. They asked God. Even, even the, the kind of the secularists among the founding fathers, there were two or three of them, Jefferson and Franklin. They weren't like evangelical evangelists. But even they acknowledged, promoted, advocated prayer to God, not to the mountains or the trees, but to God, the God of the Bible. That's how America was birthed. And now this, there is this massive move against this country to undermine, destroy it, to make it into something it never was. Barack Obama started using the word remake America. He used it again and again and again. And I hear some of these other people who want to be president, who were trying to be in there out of the campaign now. And they've got Joe Biden standing up there. And I tell you, I'm going to talk about that this week, not today. But Joe Biden, in my opinion, will not be, will not be the Democrat nominee come summertime. But we'll talk about that another time. So stay tuned. But anyway, we hear this same message coming in different forms and different packages from the left. President Trump said we cannot outsource our independence. And what he was talking about specifically was the supply chain. Newsweek quoted the president this week. They said the president's comments were uh, at the daily press briefing. He, uh, they, they quoted him as saying this pandemic has reaffirmed the importance of keeping vital supply chains at home. And it has. It's affirmed a lot of things, but that's one of them. Newsweek quotes the president. I heard this, actually. They said, we cannot outsource our independence. He said, we cannot be reliant on foreign nations. He said, I've been saying this for a long time. Well, he has. He's been saying it since he became president. If we've learned one thing, he said, speaking of this virus, this pandemic, he said, it's let's do it here. Let's build it here. Let's make it here. This, of course, flies in the face of the globalist who believes the global village is a better idea than a republic that's made up of 50 United States of America. They don't like that idea. They don't embrace that idea. And therein is the problem. Brian Miller is a guy you probably haven't heard of, him, but he writes some interesting stuff. He's a Second Amendment advocate, and he's kind of an intellectual. I mean, he's a very smart guy. And he writes a lot of stuff, and I, I noticed something he wrote. I just noticed it the other day. I'm not sure what he wrote it, but it's it's very relevant to what I'm talking about here. He said, nothing clarifies a man's thoughts like staking his life on them. And then he continued. He said, when what you believe threatens to deliver death and danger to your door, you think again, hard, about those beliefs. This is the moment of truth. When casual opinions dissolve and only convictions backed up with soul-searching can stand. It's what made the American founders special and what made their thoughts more valuable than the uh, pontifications of subsequent experts and elites. They were forced to risk their lives on their ideas and the dross was burned away. Trump said somebody some years ago, he said somebody got this crazy idea to outsource everything. Trump understands what it's doing to America And I believe with all my heart, whatever the man is or isn't, he loves his country. 
How much control does China actually have on our independence? Well, unfortunately, a lot. Pharmaceuticals are of great concern, and people are beginning to talk about it. Even the liberal, the far-left press is beginning to at least acknowledge, well, maybe we should make a few pills here instead of there. I mean, they understand there is some looming effect. Now they're saying this morning, they were, or last night, they were saying in the news, at least here in the Northwest, they were saying that we're going to expect meat shortages and all these kinds of things. I mean, who knows? I mean, they say anything, and you always have to wonder what's motivating them to say that. Are they trying to help people, or are they trying to push an agenda? Hillary Clinton said yesterday again, as she was endorsing, or day before yesterday, when she was endorsing Joe Biden, she said, this is an opportunity that we cannot let go to waste. Even though that that idea has been put out there and put in front of the public, they still say it. They, they believe it that deeply. So you have to wonder what the motivation is when they make decisions. That's called discernment. A non-Christian may go with their gut feeling, but a Christian has a gut feeling and more. It's discernment. God speaks to our spirit. I know they've mocked Mike Pence for praying and saying out loud that he believes that God directs our path and speaks to our hearts. Between 80 and 90% of U.S. antibiotics, 70% of other drugs, and 40% even of heparin, which I guess is used a lot. I don't know. Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio, is deeply involved in trying to expose this. And he says America is dangerously reliant on China for the production of critical goods, including parts for technologies needed to fight COVID-19. China has threatened to cut off the United States now, just a few days ago. The Communist Party of China is ratcheting up threats against the West with a particularly nasty warning about life-saving drugs aimed at the United States. These threats should be concerning to all of us. The FDA is already warning of probable drug shortages in the coming weeks. And there's people who take these drugs for heart, high blood pressure, and all of that kind of thing. Founding Father Samuel Adams said, Depend upon it, sir. When a man knows he is to be hanged in a fortnight, it concentrates his mind. We're going to innovate to keep prices down. Unfortunately, not all of our elected public servants are on board with this action. Over time, our dependence has become greater than the national benefit. But some of our elected public servants became the beneficiaries of what has become corruption. I've written an article today about, particularly about Senator Dianne Feinstein and her ties to China. I haven't uncovered anything that isn't pretty well known among the elites in our country, the political elites, but I'm just affirming what some know but the press won't talk about, and I would encourage you to read that today. It's at faithandfreedom.us, faithandfreedom.us, and you'll first thing you'll see is the article. Read it. I think it'll be informative. I think it'll be helpful. Well, thank you for being with me today. I understand that there have been a few technical bleeps throughout the half hour. Sorry about that. I don't know what it was, but whatever. But thank you for being with me. We will continue 
this conversation right here tomorrow. So be sure and read the article that I wrote. Trust in the Lord. We'll see you tomorrow.